WBNE. Hello from elsewhere. I'm Casey, and I'm in deep space at my favorite store on the Citadel. Today, I'm joined by one of the hosts of the YouTube channel and podcast, Pushing 40-Bit. He's also a visual artist and a cancer survivor, and growing up, he always defeated me at Risk and the Star Wars card game, because he also happens to be my older brother. It's Ryan Winters. (laughs) Hello, Ryan Winters. (laughs) Hello. That was the best intro. (laughs) Awesome to be here. I'm very happy to be here. Yes, I am so glad. And how is quarantine treating you? Uh, not too bad. Like you said, I'm a cancer survivor, so I feel like I there was a time there where I stayed at home for like three years in a row. <laughs> so prepared you. This is nothing, <laughs> and and I don't have to go have poison injected into my veins every other week. Right. So this is this is much better. Yeah, I believe it. Still scary though. Right. I'd like it to be over. Yeah. Have you had more more video gaming time, or is it about the same? Probably about the same. Yeah. It's it's hard because I'm sitting in the same chair to work. And oh. I get off work and it's like, I don't really want to be sitting in that chair anymore <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> today, even though I want to play games. Right. Give yourself a break. Yeah. All right. Well, before I ask the big question, I want to know what is your first memory of a story? So whether it's a movie your book or video game, TV show, whatever, what's your first memory of a story? Yeah. Uh, the thing that I thought of was the, the Berenstain Bears books. Oh yeah. And specifically there was one about the missing dinosaur bone. It was like yes. a, a yeah. mystery. <laughs> book um there was also another one i had to look this up because i thought it was berenstain bears too but it was another thing i think it was just the same artist and maybe the same writers too called the bear detectives that was similar to the missing dinosaur one thing huh they they looked the same you know art style wise yeah i feel like we had a lot of those or at least we'd always get them from the library i don't know because we also had bears in the night which right which our kids love now it like it's a generational thing. <laughs> That's funny. But I do remember that the dinosaur one, cause we got it from the library oh, a few months ago and it was like, yeah, just a flood of nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't do, is that the one they bake pumpkin pie at the end or is that the, the I don't, detectives one? I don't remember. Sometimes when I read to the kids, I am just reading the words and I'm not actually paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's some that I don't do that. There's some that I'll like get into it and read the voices, but then there's others that are longer than they should be. And so I just kind of start spacing uh-huh. out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I can see that happening. That makes sense. All right, Ryan. So what piece of fiction do you love above all others? I love Mass Effect. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> you you haven't talked about many video game stories on your podcast. Yeah, I know. I think it's just because it's a, like Valerie's not a huge gamer. And so it just doesn't quite work. We try to stick to stuff that we both know, but um, yeah, but yeah, I love mass effect too. Are we talking all three or just, uh, they, they might come up, but specifically I was thinking of the first one oh, okay. because the first game does have the best story. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, kind of self-contained. Like it's, there's not too much of a cliffhanger. Right. Know? So, so before we dive into mass effect, what, like how was this a difficult question to answer or did it come right away to you? <laughs> no, it was immediately. I knew that's what I would talk about. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah. I kind of play it up on our podcast, like my love of it. And I, I, I don't know. It came became like, it became a running gag that yeah. I was like super obsessed with it. And I just kind of ran with that, yeah, yeah. but it is my favorite story. <laughs> I think. It's like me and Willow is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Willow is so great. <laughs> right? Thank you. I appreciate that. There are dozens there are dozens of us. Dozens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so how would you describe Mass Effect to someone who's never 
never played it before. Yeah, so it is a science fiction RPG. Um, it's set in the future. I don't remember the exact year. It's the 2100s, so far future compared to where we are now. Um, humanities achieved space flight and you know faster than light travel all through this this technology that's based off of manipulating uh, masses of objects so that's why it's called mass effect so you can you know if you can basically make a giant starship reduce its mass down to zero it can go almost you know as fast as you know instantaneous travel to other parts of the galaxy um anyway so all the technology in the game is based off of that there's the i guess the history of it is you know 30 years or so before the game is set because of the you know being able to travel faster than light humans discover aliens and figure out that there's tons of alien species out in the galaxy and uh so it's it's kind of humanity taking their first steps of being part of the larger galactic community and and kind of how humanity is viewed and treated by those other species and things like that and then how you as a player you know you can you can choose how you want to navigate that world and that setting um the specific story, I guess, where that starts is you play as Commander Shepard. He's basically like the future version of SEAL Team 6 leader. <laughs> and uh, he's sent on a mission. This thing happens where he sees this vision of death and destruction. And the game is kind of trying to figure out, piecing together what that vision actually means. Was that a, a message from the past or is it a warning for what's going to happen in the future? And, and kind of that's the, the catalyst for the rest of the story. I probably yes. won't get into too many spoilers. But <laughs> that's okay. Well, and I that's where we start. And I what I love about Mass Effect is you touched on it was the the aspect of choice and choosing, and you get to choose every you know every bit of dialogue. You get to choose how the conversation goes. Whether you um, like, well, I'll let you talk about it. Can you talk about the choice choice yeah. system in the game? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, every every single conversation you know you, through the game and. And it's how you you also kind of explore. You can ask people more questions about, you know, if you're talking to an alien, you can ask them about their race and their culture and, and get to know that side of things. Or you could just, you know, breeze through and, and be kind of more short with people. But then you also get to choose, are you going to be a jerk to people or, or, or put, you know, the mission first and, and not be so, I guess, moral or concerned about loss of life? Um, or you can be, you know, the, the I guess archetypal hero and and savior of the galaxy type where you're you know super nice to everyone and and go that way too and it's interesting because you can play the whole game and talk with someone who's also played the game and have both had a completely different experience where your your version of commander shepherd is a different person than their version and you can see different things and do different missions that you know they may have never seen and and it's it's fun to talk about with people i think yeah you have the missions and then also the relationships too of your crew will be vastly different depending on how you interact with them and the relationship you build or don't build with them which i love and then i also really love the you have those little choices but then there's big consequences to the choices that you make too um yeah like on a on a massive level to the point of like you can decide to commit genocide against uh, an alien race you know like if <laughs> yeah. you want to if you so choose <laughs> <laughs> exactly and sometimes that it may be presented in a way that well it might be good to actually do that and you know the the decisions aren't always so black and white right well and because and it's a, a because it's a trilogy too can you talk a little bit more about the choices you make in the first one and how that interacts with the second and third game Possibly. Yeah, for sure. I, th I think that's a very unique thing in video games. Also, I haven't seen many games that do that where you you take the same save game through all three games. 
And so, yeah, the choices that you made in the first game might come back to haunt you in one of the other games. Or, you know, if certain people die in the first game, they're not in the other games. Whereas other people may have, you know, kept them alive and, and seen the evolution of those crew members' stories where you never get to see that because they weren't around to see that. Yeah. I think that's what makes experience it that. so, like, infinitely replayable because yes. it's always different, like you mentioned. Like, I've, I've probably played Mass Effect... Um, especially the second one more than probably any other game other than maybe Knights of the Old Republic. But I mean, it's the same, <laughs> it's yeah. the same basic thing. It's like, right. Mass Effect is Knights of the Old Republic, but, um, they've kind of perfected it by this point, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, same, same studio made it Bioware, uh, yeah. same writer, I think as Knights of the Old Republic as Mass Effect one and two. Yeah. Casey Hudson or whatever. He's the part. game developer. Um, oh, okay. Drew, Carpathian, Kar okay. something. I I don't can't remember his last name. It's something yeah. with a K. Gotcha. He, I think he wrote all those games. Okay. Um, so yeah, similar similar themes and tone, and you know, there's lots of humor in it, and as well as yeah, those those big choices that you uh, maybe yeah you you don't want to choose one of them. So <laughs> someone's going to die, or right. you know, it's uh, it can be difficult at, at moments. Well, and it's very interesting because you don't always know if the choice is going to have repercussions, and so. Yeah. By the time you find out that it has, it's you can't go back. You can't, you can't reload Mass Effect One. You, it's too late. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I love that. It's, it's very, very true to life, which is fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Um, what is what is your first memory of playing Mass Effect? So you introduced it to me. I don't know if you remember that. Um, yes, I think I think I got a free copy. I worked at Best Buy at the time, and I got oh, a free yeah. copy of the first one. And I remember the disc like randomly broke and because it was a free copy, I was like, Oh, you know, Bioware, whoever, Microsoft, they're not going to send me another one, but I sent them an email anyways, just to check. And they did, they sent me another copy. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I didn't remember that. Yeah. That's perfect. Um, so you had, yeah, you had played it and, and I think had played it all the way through. And, mm. and whereas I had, I think I watched you play the first mission maybe. And that oh, okay. was all I had seen. For whatever reason, like I, I really dragged my feet. Like I was just kind of like, eh, yeah, I, whatever. And you were, you know, gushing about it, saying how good it was, and yeah, <laughs> you were like probably already like halfway through your second or third playthrough before <laughs> I even started. And then I did. And the the moment that you finish the first mission, you go to this uh, big space station called the Citadel. Yeah, and the the reveal of it is is very cinematic. Like the the music swells, and it's it's all done in this really awesome cutscene, and it it's just like a super gorgeous location yeah and the moment i saw that i was like oh okay this this game is something special like yeah. this is this is different than most things that i've played and i think too at the time i had kind of grown i'd kind of grown out of star wars which is kind of mm, sad yeah thankfully like the disney trilogy brought has brought me back into it <laughs> um so that has changed but but at the time this came out in 2007 yeah i wasn't that right. into star wars anymore and so there was like there was like a a hole and a void in my soul that needed some good science fiction story to some yeah. science fiction universe to play around in and mass effect definitely filled that right for sure because i think that there's uh, there's definitely similarities to draw you know like there's the whole yeah. aspect of found family and um, there's so many characters that it's easy to pick a favorite and um and then it's got you know aspects it's not really the force it's a little more scientific but there's definitely similarities but it's also in a beautiful way its own its own thing and i love that yeah for sure it. yeah i think yeah they definitely draw from star wars you could see some star trek stuff kind of in there too of like the 
kind of utopian, more of a utopian society. Star Wars is kind of all, you see a lot of the dingy and grunginess of it's the It's always universe. at war, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of, uh, what you call it, Battlestar Galactica in there too. Mm-hmm. You could tell, because uh, a lot of it is about artificial intelligence and kind of how, I don't know, just some philosophy kind of type questions regarding that, um, which I think comes a lot from Battlestar Galactica. And even a lot of the voice actors are from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. In the, Second and third game. Yeah, Edie is the main blonde Cylon. Uh, oh, okay. What's her name? Jennifer Helper? I can't remember. I didn't Something realize like that. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, what what does Mass Effect say on a thematic level? So what is it saying about the world or about society? Um the I one of the things I, I thought about the question was was choices and consequences. We kind of already talked about that. Um but yeah, just that you make a choice and there will be a consequence and you know, the galaxy will end up being a different way. And can you live with that choice? You know, it's kind of a tough thing. Um, I think there's also a huge emphasis, like you said, found family. So there's an emphasis on, on teamwork and unity. You know, Shepard is not a lone wolf character. Like, like they know, I'm going to keep saying they, cause you can be male or female, right. um, being an RPG. Uh, but they, yeah, they know they're not a lone wolf. They know they're a leader, but they, they have a team and they need specialists that kind of do their own thing. Shepard can't do everything. Um, and there's also like, I think very, very relevant to today, you're gathering all these aliens. And when you start out, there's, there's people on your ship that are kind of anti-alien and kind of xenophobic. And, uh, you kind of have to build trust and, and, uh, yeah, just, just learn to trust those, those alien crew members. And if you want, you can ignore them or, or be rude to them, you know, if you want to also, but you know, things end up better if you, if you are trusting and welcoming and, and kind of, yeah, making your ship as diverse as it can be, I guess is a, yeah, a, 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 yeah, a big theme of that. Awesome. I love it. Before, before we get to the rapid fire questions, any final thoughts on mass effect, things we didn't get to touch on or anything else you wanted to gush about it? Yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I love yeah, the the music is amazing. The voice acting is amazing. Um, the twist is amazing. <laughs> I won't yes. talk about that, but that's yeah, one of my favorite twists in all of fiction is you you find out about maybe like three fourths of the way through what the story is really about, and it's mm. it's super awesome and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> mm. It's so great. Um, who's your favorite character? I have that question for you. Um, I'm a big. I, I love Thane. Thane Krios. He's kind of oh, yeah, a, Thane's great. the, you know, he's that the alien assassin. I just really like his, um, he's just interesting as an assassin, but also like a, he's a very spiritual character and I'm yeah. always interested in his, his philosophy and what he has to say. So my favorite playthrough is always, um, female shepherd romancing Thane, mm-hmm. romancing Thane. That's always my, <laughs> that's always my go-to yeah. whenever I play, when I play it. But what about you? What's awesome. your, who's your favorite? Um, I love Liara. Yeah, especially I love her her progression through the three games mm. is my favorite. Her arc of she starts off as this really bumbling, super socially awkward archaeologist. Yeah, and then kind of in the second game, she's kind of in like a fake it till you make it mode, kind of trying to be more intimidating than she actually is, kind of a thing. And then by the third, she's like secretly become the most powerful person right. in the whole galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> like only Shepard knows, you know, what, what she's become just through her, like her politics and just kind of doing some, some shady stuff, but it's, it's made her super powerful and it, it helps the galaxy. Cause she is kind of a, 
I guess a kind of more morally good person than the than the previous occupant of that position in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yes, she's she's better than than the original Shadow Broker was. Right. Awesome. I love it. Okay, so rapid fire questions. These don't necessarily Great. have to be about Mass Effect, unless unless they are. That's okay too. <laughs> they Just all whatever. will be. <laughs> Just what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just whatever comes to mind. So. Yeah. Who is your favorite fictional protagonist? Uh, this is tricky. I think someone may have had this as theirs also on one of the other interviews. That's but I'm okay. going to go with Ethan Hunt from the Mission Impossible movies. Nice. Why? Um, I love that. If we ignore Mission Impossible 2, because he's kind of gross in that one. <laughs> yeah. He's not, he's not the greatest person in 2. But in the rest of them, he's he's great. And I think some similarities to Shepard, he... Ethan Hunt knows he's not a lone wolf. Like he's he's not James Bond, where he's just going on this mission all by himself, doing his thing. He's you know he's got to have Luther and Benji there with him to help, and yeah, and uh, you know whatever random other team member is there for that movie. Exactly. Um, yeah, but I like that. It's it's very always very entertaining to watch the scrapes that they get into and how they narrowly avoid uh, world dominate destruction, not domination. <laughs> whatever. I know what you meant. Um. Great. I love it. I anytime anyone wants to talk about Mission Impossible, I get so excited because yes, no, we don't talk about it enough. No one does. So <laughs> yeah, even though so they're great. fantastic. Okay, opposite end of the coin. Who is your favorite fictional villain or antagonist? Um, I'm gonna go with Handsome Jack from Borderlands Two. Oh, I don't know that another one. video game. Yeah. Um, he Handsome Jack. He's the type of villain that you almost sympathize with. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you almost get where he's coming from, but he just takes things a little too far. And then he does some things that are, you feel as a player are like personally insulting. Like it, <laughs> it makes you as a player want to stop him and you care. It's not just a, well, he's a bad guy and we should stop what he's doing. It's, it's that plus he's personally insulted me and <laughs> I want to destroy him. And, and he's also hilarious. He has an amazing sense of humor and it's, fun to hear him through the whole game it's awesome great. if you could visit one fictional location for a day which would you choose um this one is mass effect i'm gonna go with the citadel mm. that we mentioned um it's a giant space station you go inside and it's like this big domed room that looks like it goes on for miles and it's got artificial lakes and trees and grass like mixed in with the architecture and there's tons of cool aliens walking around it's just, it's gorgeous and i love that Throughout the series, like yeah, like Mass Effect One, you're kind of limited to a certain area, but then Mass Effect Two, you've got another spot of the areas that you can go to, and I kind of love that that it's yeah, because it's massive, but obviously it's a video game, and they're limited in how much of it you can explore. But I think that you get enough enough through the series for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got some really interesting parts to it. It's I mean, it's kind of like a big city where there's there are some like dingier areas, but it's not super gross it's still fairly clean and and nice looking in in most of the areas do you have a favorite store on the citadel (laughs) uh i don't know that i do that's kind of yeah i don't know that i do either (laughs) yeah i do like the guy that's i think it's in mass effect 2 that's selling ramen that he always just kind of like yells at you yeah (laughs) and and people treat it like it's a like ramen is an earth delicacy and it's like this amazing thing to be tried (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's fantastic. What what movie gave you nightmares as a child? Um, this one was a little tricky, but then I remembered. I came home from school one day. I think Dad was sick, and he was watching a movie called Fire in the Sky, hmm. which is about alien abductions. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that's what it was about. And I like sat down for like a few minutes. And then it was like very suddenly I was like, oh, nope, (laughs) I do not want to watch this. I don't know if it was that movie or I like I remember commercials from the X-Files would come on TV and that would scare me like something. I don't know if it was fire in the sky or those X-Files commercials or something like triggered like a fear of alien abductions in me. And yeah, to this day, I still don't like that, like imagery or (laughs) those kind of things. So I think, uh, yeah, a lot of that is from fire in the sky. Well, I'm sorry that I've brought all those feelings. up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What I'll survive. <laughs> what uh, what movie or TV show most reminds you of our growing up together? Um, I may have just thought of this because I saw that they put it on Netflix recently. But The Witches. Oh yes. <laughs> Speaking of nightmares as a child. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't. I don't remember that being spooky as a kid, or, or yeah, even thinking much about it. But then as adult, like thinking back on it, I was like, how. How are we allowed to watch that movie? Like, right, it's insane. It's, it's funny because I the most recent time I watched it, and it was years ago. It was because it was I was I was more scared of it as an adult probably. But yeah. the, the scene of the girl at the beginning that gets trapped in the painting that scared mm-hmm. me more than um, the Grand High Witch. I mean, she was creepy, You're but sure? it was like I knew it was fake enough. But like something about that girl getting lost in the painting, I don't I don't know. Yeah, thinking about that now, yeah, that's terrifying. That's a horrible thing. The thing that I was reminded of was the opening credits of that movie. Yes. It's like sped sped up footage of of like a helicopter flying over landscapes and mountains and stuff. Yeah. And we would, you and me and our our other brother and sister would like sit on a blanket and I guess pretend it was a magic carpet or something. Yeah. Pretend we were flying over the landscapes. Because we did it with the rescuers down under as well, which is at the beginning of that. It's like that too. It goes across. It's more flat because it's like Australia up to like right. Ayers Rock, which is weird because those yeah, both came out in that. the same year. They both came out in 1990. So I don't know what oh, it serious. was about filmmaking in the 90s, <laughs> the, in 1990 specifically. But like, we got to start a yeah. movie with a super sped up landscape shot so little kids will think they're on a magic carpet ride. But that's amazing. <laughs> they're uh, they're remaking the witches. I don't know if you knew Interesting. that. Interesting. With Anne Hathaway. No. Anne Hathaway is the Grand High Witch. Oh, which, weird. Yeah. I'm kind of okay. intrigued by that. Even though witches terrifies me, I'm I'm yeah. interested. <laughs> well, wasn't that the thing in the movie is the, the witches were supposed to be beautiful, but yeah. then they were actually ugly. But in the movie, it's like they all looked old as humans anyway and weren't pretty. Yeah. There are things about them that are weird. Like they they don't have toes. I remember they have that. Like, they yeah. have like blue spit and purple eyes, I think. Uh, I remember Purple Eyes. Yeah. yeah but Weird movie. I never read the book. I read it in elementary and it's just as creepy. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny. Maybe a little bit more whimsical, but it's still pretty creepy. Yeah. Up to your imagination. Also. Yeah. What is your favorite movie scene of all time? This one was the hardest question. I, I knew did. it would be. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was the type of thing where I was like, oh, I wish I had perfect memory of everything that I've ever seen so I could right. really really say what my favorite is. <laughs> um, but my answer for today is the Russian dance scene at the end of The Man Who Knew Too Little. Oh. <laughs> That's fantastic. Bill Murray. If you haven't seen that movie, it's one of the best comedies ever. <laughs> like it's, I think it is my favorite Bill Murray movie for sure. Yeah. Um, he's completely oblivious to what's going on for real, and he has finally like worked up the courage to 
to go on stage. He thinks he's doing a performance, which he <laughs> is, but he's not supposed to be there. <laughs> all of that's super funny. But then him doing the dance is so funny too. Cause he's, he's with all these other dancers and they're all doing this choreographed thing and he's not even close. Like he's trying okay. to look at them and do the same thing. And it's <laughs> completely off and all at the same time, like trying to foil this plot to blow up the prime minister or something. <laughs> right. Cause it like it's crazy. It's one of those great scenes that has like the perfect blend of comedy and tension because there's also right. a bomb and it's in like the that Russian doll know. that he doesn't know, but it's in the Russian doll. And if yeah. you twist the Russian doll, then it starts it. But if you twist it back, it stops it. And so he keeps throughout the, the dance, he keeps twisting it back and forth. So you, you know, you get the, the, you know, the irony of the audience, the, the dramatic irony of, you know, what the timing's at, but Bill Murray's character has no idea how much time is exactly. left till they're all gone. So yeah, it's amazing. That's a great scene. I love that you thought of that. I, I totally forgot about that, that <laughs> scene. That's fantastic. Yeah. Everyone should watch that. I agree. All right. Last question. It's the most important one. <laughs> Which animal pilot in star Fox 64 is the best and why? I always liked slippy. The I, remember, toad. I remember that you, <laughs> <laughs> even though, He's so whiny and I think people hate him because of how whiny he is, but I always found that hilarious. Like yeah. something about his tone through those games is, is just so funny to me. I always liked Falco. He just seemed really Falco cool. Like, cool. Yeah. He's kind of above it all. Um, what was it? Peppy? Is that his name? I think Peppy so. Yeah. Was the worst. Yeah. I, like I hated Peppy. He's the one that's like trying to tell you what to do. And it's like, just shut up. I know how to do a barrel roll. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Was there a fourth one or is there just those three? Um, well, there's, I guess, your fox, right? Are you, you play as right. fox. Yeah. I'm going to look it up real quick. It's very important that we yep. be honest and open with the people on this, this, uh, yeah, terribly important subject. List of Star Fox characters. Okay. <laughs> there was, there was a wolf bad guy. I remember. Yeah. I think it was just those, those characters. Okay. Wolf For some reason I was thinking O'Donnell is the other one. Ooh. Yeah, the, for some reason I was okay. thinking there was four and then you as Star Fox, but I guess not. No. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> on that on that wonderful, delightful, nostalgic note. Yes. Thank you so much, Ryan, for Oh, this was awesome. For joining me and yeah, I love talking about I, Mass Effect, so this is exciting. Same. <laughs> I hope people uh could tell our voices apart. <laughs> that is the hope. Yeah. In my head we sound just you know we sound different enough obviously same because yeah. i can tell it's you that's talking and i can tell when it's me that's talking but. exactly i think even recorded though like my voice sounds different than your voice but we'll find other out people may not think so <laughs> well ryan tell us what you're up to where can people find you on the internet tell us what you're what you're up to these days oh there's so many things yeah we said my podcast slash youtube channel that i host with two of my friends it's called pushing 40 bit we take single player games and kind of treat it like a book club. So we all go and play it separately and then we come together and talk about it. Um, that's really fun. We've kind of been on hiatus during the quarantine, but there's still a good handful of episodes on, on YouTube and you can find it on the podcast places too, just if you want to hear it audio, audio only, but it's better with visuals cause we'll, we'll cut in gameplay and, you know, examples of what we're talking about. Um, I guess on Twitter, I'm at a frosty winter and I do art too. um, society6.com slash Ryan winters. If you want to look at my art stuff and yeah. put it on, 
products. I don't know. Check it out. Yeah, I have a T-shirt of the one of your blocky ones. I don't remember what it's called. It's kind of that diamond shape. This is great podcasting, but sure. I have a T-shirt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much again for for joining us this episode. Thanks for having me. This was I've been looking forward to this for a while. So yeah. Good to be on. Well, to our listeners, you can find Hello from Elsewhere on Instagram and Twitter at elsewhere underscore pod. Our cover art is by Vaishan Brandon. You can find him at graphite.vmb on Instagram. Now, to close us out, Ryan, can you give us a happy beeps? Of course. Happy beeps. Happy beeps. Dear listener, today's going to be a good day, and here's why. Because today, we're headed to Broadway. Are we? Okay, maybe not, but we're talking about Broadway. I'm Becca. And I'm Eenie, and we host Sincerely Us, a podcast for the casual musical theater fan. We discuss everything from strong female characters. To Ben Platt. To individual shows. To Ben Platt. (laughs) To act one finales and everything in between. We even have a few experts on to talk about their expertise in the realm of musical theater. It's an easygoing show for every theater fan. No experience required. Listen every Wednesday at WBNE.org or wherever you get podcasts. That's not a Disney fan cast, I promise.